curator? What are we, transporting some type of art? Perhaps the most beautiful work of art in Starfleet history. Strange new takes. I'm your host, Notch Garnigan. With me, getting promoted to Lieutenant Junior Grade are <laughs> Lieutenant Junior Grade Bill Woywad, Lieutenant Junior Grade Adam Bowen, and Lieutenant Junior Grade Emily Bowen Marler. Welcome to Strange New Takes. Today, we'll be sharing a recap of the first two episodes of season four of Star Trek Lower Decks, Two Vix, and I Have No Bones, Yet I Must Flee. Make sure to follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Instagram. Uh, tell your friends about the pod, and uh, while you're at it, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Please, thank you. Uh, and <laughs> this is the point where uh, I inform you that we're about to spoil uh, not just one, but two episodes of Lower Decks. And therefore, since Lower Decks will reference every single other episode that has ever come before it, <laughs> uh, we're going to, especially Voyager, we're just going to be spoiling <laughs> that entire series today. So uh, get ready for that and join us. All right. Well, um, as Emily mentioned, we're going to be talking about the first two episodes of Star Trek Lower Decks season four. I'll introduce those in a second because there's two of them. So I've got to go one by one. So instead, let's jump to our strange new takes first. Uh, so which of you have a strange new take to share with me? I can jump in here. Uh, so strange new take number one. Uh, I love peanut butter, huge peanut butter fan in general. But I have to say I have... Uh, very firmly held opinion that crunchy is the superior peanut butter. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Controversial. Opinion. Um, my wife fan. disagrees, but we've so far managed to make it work. <laughs> um, <laughs> you just got to indoctrinate the baby on your side. <laughs> Give it to him young because that's you want to avoid the allergies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you might start microdosing at a young age. <laughs> um, yeah, for these two episodes, so they they pulled off a maneuver that I wasn't sure they would be able to pull off, which is like promoting promoting our crew and uh, actually doing it in a way where they have a little bit of character development. You know, with an animated show like this, mm-hmm. I think it's. Um, the the tendency or the historical precedent would have would for it to be like the Simpsons, right? Where they say the stay the same age forever and nobody ever really develops wear, wear the same outfit and yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, it's still mostly like that, <laughs> but they they do actually manage to develop the characters over time. And I thought the um, it was very welcome for me to see them all get promoted. <clears throat> Yeah, I uh, I think yeah, plus one on that. I I think I I had similar feelings where the 
well wait i'm supposed to i'm supposed to tell you about the real world first uh okay <laughs> real world it's been a while uh i need to tell you about my chicken uh because that's this this is the only way you get your chicken content that's right. uh it so is. uh it is it is that time of year where uh where the feathered ladies need to uh, have some molting going on so uh gwyn uh has who is named after uh gwyndala in uh uh, really? I mean, apparently a Star Trek show that doesn't exist anymore uh, <laughs> and never did. Uh, Save Prodigy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the she never finished her molt last time. And so she's had kind of bald wings the whole time and has not had a tail. Uh, and so I'm excited to see her actually get those. But hmm. Beverly decided that she's going to uh, uh, just try to bite off those feathers whenever they appear. Uh, so that's not great. Beverly's so, such a bully. Yeah. So uh, Gwyn had uh, had a bit of bit of an injury this week, and so she's been in the basement. Uh, I I keep on adding a different friend for her every day, uh, but uh, yeah. So have lots of yelling Beverly. chickens in my basement. Beverly is not with with Gwyn. <laughs> Beverly is uh, not invited to that party. The funny thing is, though, even though. I'm sure she appreciates having a friend with her. Uh, every friend that I have put in with her, uh, she immediately starts attacking and chasing around uh, <laughs> because uh, the pecking order is real. Uh, as for the uh, the episode Strange New Take, uh, uh, plus one to what Bill was talking about. Something I was thinking about with these episodes is that there's lots of, um, uh, I don't know, Like I feel like, I mean, obviously, lots of Star Trek just retreads things that have happened in, like, the previous 700 hours or whatever of, of Star Trek. And that, like, most of the time we, we end up forgiving that. And it, But it, it's interesting with, with Lower Decks because I, I I will get that feeling of, like, oh, this is kind of the same as something that we've done before. But like you mentioned, Bill, like, it, it animation kind of, like, has that as one of its its tropes. But I, I feel like they still do something, like, a little bit different each time that they approach it and or or they will reuse that um or they will use the the reuse well uh in the show and so um i don't know i i i i, I thought the, these were a a fun way to have like explicit callbacks to previous episodes and and references but uh uh still had the little bit of a twist that that made it worth watching So Adam, I'm going to prove to you that I can create some chicken content too without any chickens. And I'm not talking about eating them. Uh, I I had a case study in MBA school, actually. It's the first case study I had in pricing class. It was a Harvard Business Review study or a Harvard Business School case study about chicken contact lenses. And it had to do with the pecking order. So apparently, and this I think is actually like someone who really actually tried this. Hmm. They tried developing red contact lenses for chickens that mean that they are able to see less visible light and they become very short-sighted. So they can't actually see. So they have to all keep their heads down because mm -hmm. they have to see where they're going and they can't see far away. So when all the chickens put their heads down, there is no pecking order. Because the chicken, the head chicken, pecks yeah. the chickens who don't keep their heads down. So, but unfortunately, this product did not work, I don't think, in the marketplace. So, oh, yeah. sad. Yeah. So you uh, can't get chicken contact lenses. It, it, that is absolutely what what happens, though. Is is the I I will set chickens down depending like on how I how I like place them next to each other. If I had one slightly above as I'm placing them down. Uh, there's likely to be some head raising and and looking at each other to see if they're challenging each other and whatnot. So, yeah, uh, that's cool. That's there you go. 
with these episodes, um, yeah, I, I'll just I'll just piggyback on your guys. Lower Decks remains fresh. It has not got stale despite four seasons. I am surprised. I was I was not sure what to expect. I was kind of like, is it is it you know like especially after they give us the live action Lower Decks, like come mm-hmm. on, like what can and it's 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 you know it's sticking around. It's got some staying power. Well, and they even referenced the live action Lower yeah, Decks, yeah. which was cool. Okay, so my strange new take for life is just, I'm so tired of being sick. <laughs> Are you sick? I've been sick since like the end of July. I think I've had a few days off here and there oh, where no. I haven't been sick. But anyway, so I'm going to try to hit my mute button before I cough because I have coughing fits. So, But I, I have not taken up smoking this voice is just because of how much coughing I do. So anyway, but whenever I laugh, it kind of makes me laugh at how raspy I am. But my strange new take for this episode is I super enjoyed seeing the um, tin can probe from uh, the voyage home in the credits at the battle. Oh, scene. yes. <laughs> I thought that was pretty I funny. Really and it also has the sound. In. I didn't notice in the first episode, but the second episode <clears throat> I noticed it also has that that sound that the probe makes when it's trying to find the whales so. oh really anyway, that that <laughs> that not the yeah. high-pitched sound but like that sound that it has so it's pretty funny why don't we just pick up over there real quick before we start talking episode specific stuff they updated the intro again and mm-hmm. they've now added the probe we have borg klingons romulans yes. the crystalline entity and we had the Klingons before, but now they've added an additional Klingon ship that flies in. So yeah. they've even updated something that existed before. Mm-hmm. Um, also, before we start talking about episodes, have you all watched the short, very short Trek Skin a Cat yet? <laughs> no. How, how can you watch it? It's on YouTube. Okay. okay. Oh. Yeah, go watch it. I, I was going to start talking about it, but just remember that it's not canon. And if anyone tells you it's canon, they're crazy. Uh, hmm. Memory Alpha, by the way, considers every version of the Lower Decks intro canon. So they're like, at an unknown date, the Cerritos encountered the Borg and Romulan. On an unknown date, they encountered the Borg, Romulans, and Crystalline. And it goes like F3. I'm just like, Memory Alpha. <laughs> Was there a date when the Enterprise D zoomed back and forth across the names names in the stars <laughs> making and then they did it with a different sound later on some other date and then they did it again with another different sound like uh memory alpha yo what are you can, gonna can do? you edit it to add that i i, I should i could I, probably I mean, start the, the a huge enter- fight about this the, the enterprise side. theme uh like the the intro like title cards are canon uh since they are in uh in the ready room of the enterprise uh so why not why not every single one of these yep yep why not right like basically you know have on the enterprise memory alpha just have like the enterprise started as a as a little like biplane and then it morphed into this and then it morphed into that (laughs) there was amazing music playing in the background while this happened one thing like like related to those uh those title cards being visible i i think it might even say star trek enterprise but it but they always make sure to have it be a little bit blurry uh because it it looks like there's some sort of writing next to the ship uh and it makes me wonder if it's if it's like literally a screen grab of that and they didn't even scrub out the the name of the show um but I'll, i'd have to look at some images of it yeah yeah you should look that up and, and bring us an update when you have 
Uh, also relevant to you, Adam, before we get into the episode again, they're coming out with Star Trek Infinite. Have you guys heard of this? Oh, yeah. This is a, apparently PC Gamer says this is the greatest Star Trek game that has ever existed, according to someone who got a preview. It's basically... It's not claiming the... much, but... <laughs> Come on, Elite Force was good. Elite Force 1 and 2 were pretty good. And Star Trek uh, Armada was good. Yeah, there you go. So... It, this is a variant uh, or a reskin of the game existing game Stellaris, which mm-hmm. I believe is a real-time strategy game based in space. Yeah, yeah. Yep. You played a lot. You like that game. Yep. So this is a Star Trek version of that game, and apparently it's very good. So. Yeah, and and I and I've heard that it it's not like just a like a straight up reskin or whatnot. They <clears throat> they have actually like tried to. Um, uh build like star trek narratives into it and uh uh, some of the gameplay tweaks are sort of also to make it more um i think probably like more remote more approachable for like the non-stellaris audience but then also to to make it a like more star trek friendly so i i I am excited to to try that out at some point and one last point that has nothing to do with these two episodes have you all heard about the star strange new world novel the high country I I think I've seen the the car like the the title, what what do you call that the the front cover, cover that's what cover. it's called, uh but that's all I've that's all I know about it. Okay, well I listened to the audiobook, and for those of you who might very shortly have a lot of time where you need to do something with your ears, <laughs> uh, because you, because your hands might be you know holding something that maybe needs some rocking or whatever. Yep. Um, Listen to the book. It's pretty good. It 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 is a it is a very very good story. It's a it's a very Star Trekky story. It picks up on an Enterprise an episode from Enterprise. I don't want to spoil more than that. Mm-hmm. But it has like ethical dilemmas. It really makes you think a lot, and the characters are oh. pretty great. It's very compelling. Highly recommend. Cool. Cool. Nice. All right. With that. Let's start off more Chuviks. This is the first episode of the fourth season of Star Trek Lower Decks. It first aired on the 7th of September, 2023. It's written by Mike McMahon. It was directed by Barry J. Kelly and Jason Zurek. And it's in-universe date was started 58724.3, which corresponds to 2381. Here's the summary for Memory Alpha, one sentence. The Cerritos Ensigns must assist a caretaker on the voyage of a historically significant starship. You see what they did there? A caretaker. <laughs> oh my god. on the voyage (laughs) yeah i think we were all probably mariner when the when voyager came onto the screen right seriously you know i actually watched this episode with dietrich and that was like oh well this is the perfect episode for us to watch because he totally knows voyager and so it was familiar to him (laughs) but he has renamed the episode um to nonsense on the voyager (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's pretty great i like that um so talin the vulcan is now a lower decker officially mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah first impressions that, was that wedge douge or whatever is that the yeah episode that's she the episode from? that she showed i didn't up realize that episode came so long ago like i was thinking it was a third season episode it's a second season episode oh yeah anyway because uh, so it, just... it, it I'm trying to think. Did did they have they they had her a little bit last season too? I think that's probably why I was getting confused. Showed up at the very so. end. Yeah. 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 Okay. She left the high command and uh, joined. Is it like doing an? Ex- I think it's an exchange on Starfleet, if I'm not mistaken. But mm-hmm. yeah. Did y'all notice she's wearing the Maki rank pips? 
Oh, I, didn't I knew know. they were different, but I didn't realize they were like the Maquis ones. Uh-huh. Yes. I, I, mean, I thought I, that I, maybe it was a non-commissioned officer kind of thing. Because they, they also, like get, she Miles. had a different, she, she was a, an ensign in, there, there was some different type of thing that she was promoted to. It wasn't Lieutenant Junior Grade. Um, yeah, I can't remember. But I know like Miles O'Brien wore a different type of, um, on, on Deep Space Nine, he wore a different type of thing. So she's a provisional, uh, uh provisional bill? what? Uh, provisional lieutenant junior grade. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, O'Brien is the only NCO <laughs> in Starfleet. Right. Everybody, <laughs> Harry Kim outranks him. How embarrassing is I that? Know, isn't that? Yeah. So she is. She is definitely wearing the Maki rank pips. It's the same ones that they wear. It's the same shape and the little yeah. bars instead of interesting. The pips. Hmm. Yeah. So, and and O'Briens used to have little arrows on them. Okay. So it's I never saw so close. Oh yeah. Yeah. So so okay. First impressions of Talin. What are we thinking about the new character? I mean, I think it's um, it's. I don't know what to say. My observation is that she's just like a total, like boring straight down the middle Vulcan. Like it's like, usually it has to be like a Vulcan with a twist. Like, Oh, it's a Vulcan, mm. but he has a sense of humor. Or he's a Vulcan, but he's actually like, you know, a really sweet guy underneath or something, you know, mm. but she's just like a kind of stoical, hard ass, boring Vulcan. Like it, there, I think there's no twist, right? Well, and she was more interesting when she was on the Vulcan ship, I felt. Yeah, because she, she had a curiosity and was trying to like actually solve, like look into a mystery and the rest of the crew was just, no, we have like our orders and we're going to just do like the thing that we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I had kind of forgotten about that. Um, but that's a good point. She but does. Her first solution that she suggests to the Tuvix problem is kind of like a spur of the minute kind of like let's try this crazy thing that may or may not work. It's not really a, like a slow considered, you know. That's true. That's true. Yeah. That's but, but definitely like the, in terms of her day-to-day -day interactions with the, the other characters, she, it's, it does seem like she serves no other, or she doesn't need to fill a, a role except for just being completely deadpan to everyone else's like goofy antics. Yeah. Does she ever warm up to Tendi? I think at the end she has yeah. like like she says something like I don't mind you or something like that like it's mm -hmm. not like a, I love you but it's like yeah. the Vulcan equivalent of we will be friends now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but maybe that's the thing, right? Like our four characters are all insane, so maybe she's like the <laughs> the the person who is like the the straight person or whatever, you know, mm. in, in the comedic yeah. sense, not in a right. sexuality yeah, based right. sense. Yeah. yeah, she's a foil. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, well, anyway, so in the, in the first episode, Tuvix, they encountered the Voyager Museum, which also has, like, this flower that they found on that one planet that turned Neelix and Tuvok into Tuvix. <laughs> and we get Tillips. <laughs> and you know what, guys? I really actually appreciate that they that they are, like, exploring the Tuvix conundrum a little bit better. Oh, I mean, just declaring that she straight up murdered Tuvix, like that Janeway straight up murdered him. Like that's the every single person on lower decks took that position. And, and I, I loved the like, oh shit, Janeway didn't mess around. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I mean, also, first of all, 
it's freaking brilliant that this version of Tuvix now wants more of themselves. Right. <laughs> yes. Well, and also that they all had the Tuvix uniform. Like, there's no reason that they would have yeah. that pattern at the top. But... <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, so, but, yeah, go ahead, Bill. I, I actually thought it was, um, in a way, like better sci-fi writing in Lower Decks compared to the original to have um, Tillop's attempt to, like... Uh, save its life through basically recruiting other Tuvixes, you mm. know, f by force. I thought, I mean, because it's, how do I articulate this? It's like, you have the concept, uh, right, that you build a story around, but it's almost like, what are the sequelae or what, you know, what happens next? Like, what, like, realistically, what would um, the fallout from that kind of a scenario be? And I think this is very um, realistic actually is that you know if somebody feels their life is threatened um and mm -hmm. wants to survive that they they would kind of attempt to find some allies and maybe uh you know kind of almost procreate in a way or you know i, I found it believable <clears throat> yeah yeah like go and i, I guess since it's like the the short form uh, uh comedic show or whatnot i like it it you have to have things progress really quickly so yeah go, going straight from uh like coming into existence then learning like how people dealt with tuvix last time going to like maybe mutiny and then like revolutionary type uh uh behavior i, I think was really fitting um yeah. i i think i i also like that they they acknowledge that like it was like unsolvable uh it, in some way like you're, you're either like you're killing the two people or you're killing the one person uh and so they even though it, it is like a cop-out i think that from the perspective of this being lower decks like we at least got a funny resolution to it where that like that uh ended up getting combined with everybody else and so then the, it's like oh well i don't have a moral conundrum with like a non-sentient meat bag uh like turning that back into the individual people <laughs> So yeah, but, but 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 this is the ethical question, I think, right? Like, wh at at what point does the need of one per it's it's one versus two in Tuvik? Mm -hmm. What if it's like one versus five? Like, basically, the you know, if that's non sentient meatbag was sentient, like, would that make the decision easier? Five different crew members versus just right. one new one? Yeah, right. but I I don't. I mean, we did an episode on Tuvik, so I don't want to go too deep into this. But I think there is another <laughs> okay, difference, okay, okay, which okay. is that. <laughs> So I say that and then I, you know, say what I was going to say anyway. Um, so there is another difference, which is that, like, you would have to actively perform an action to kill Tuvix or Tillips, um, whereas they were brought into existence through, like, happenstance or through, you know, so it's like mm. active murder versus, like, a thing happened. Yeah, that's that's entirely fair. Also, Who is your favorite combo person? <laughs> Tillips is pretty hard to like beat the like random profanity everywhere. It's pretty great. Yeah. And 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 unlike the real Tuvix, Tillips wasn't like super duper creepy towards Shaxes or something. You know, yeah. remember Tuvix like randomly hitting on Kess a whole bunch and acting really weird? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. That's true. What about you, Bill? What's, who's your favorite? 
I kind of liked uh, the captain and Nick <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was another fun part about this episode. It's just the opportunity to combine characters and absurd ways. Who was the who beluga was and what's his face? With? Oh yes, uh, and Stevens. Yeah. And I think it's was... like Matt. Matt was the name of the whale or something. Yeah, yeah. That was Stevens and the whale. Yeah, I don't. Shax was I, combined with the trill. Um, oh. The trill. Uh, I don't know if she's another ensign. The one that dated. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Boimler. Rutherford. Rutherford. Boimler. Oh, Rutherford. Yeah, yeah, Rutherford. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I think that was who he was mixed with. Yeah. No, that's true. Um, and okay, so that's half the episode is this Tuvix dilemma. The other half is like stuff that, so this is this like super deep cuts of Voyager, basically like the Voyager (laughs) museum ship is being transported and turns out one of the macroviruses went dormant inside a panel and activated when Boimler popped the panel. And now it's like trying to take over the ship with the help of the clown from fear <laughs> chaotica michael, dr chaotica michael sullivan <laughs> michael sullivan who remembers that he had a wife that janeway deleted he said i miss my wife at one in one of the yeah, scenes yeah yeah <laughs> which do all of you remember the delete the wife yes. scene from voyager yes. no bill so, doesn't remember adam doesn't remember so janeway ha- apparently likes deleting things <laughs> she deleted tuvix and delete the wife yeah, uh, deleted the delete doctor the wife. one time. <laughs> do, you, do, you, can, do you want to describe this, Emily, or do you want me to... Well, so when she's doing... She's making some changes to um, Michael Sullivan just to make him a little more appealing. I think she changes his facial oh. hair a little bit. She makes him a little bit taller, makes him more learned. And then the la- like she's getting ready to leave the um, holodeck, and the last thing she says is, oh, and delete the wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh fair haven greatest episode of voyager um yeah so he remembers that he had a wife in this episode and of course we have the robotic lizards robotic recreation (laughs) of the threshold lizard salamanders being taken over by a borg (laughs) nanoprobe The macrovirus got taken over by the Borg too. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it ended up with a giant, uh, uh, a giant Borg nanoprobe. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, and, and this was all basically in a way for us to see that Boimler doesn't truly need Mariner, right? Yeah, uh, and and also just to see more um, like uh, emotional growth and whatnot from Mariner of like. Uh, taking that beat to instead of like uh, insisting that he rescues her to like reassure him that he can do this himself and i mean he also like when he's freeing those senior office or the he's like got um Kayshawn, ransom and rutherford on the wall like he mm-hmm. doesn't hesitate he's like nope i only have time for rutherford because he's gonna help me yeah you guys yeah. gotta hang around so like mm-hmm. he you know, he's a pretty competent guy. So in the episode where he gets promoted, he's actually showing that he's he's mm-hmm. grown. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and and I and I think yeah, it's it's like um, in that moment where she thought she was just kind of like between her and Boimler, uh, uh, that result that that's that exact same scene is part of what uh, makes it uh, apparent that Mariner should be promoted. So I, I liked that that kind of twist to it too. And in the other part of the episode, we have Tendi and Talin showing that they should be promoted by basically saving the ship from the two vixes mm-hmm. as well. <laughs> so, all in all, 
I think to your point, Bill, they like they land they stuck the landing of promoting our people, right? Like and, mm-hmm. and making the promotions felt deserved. Although I do think that it wasn't really fair to not promote Rutherford for the cheese thing. Because yes, he broke Voyager, but that's what enabled them to be able to come to a resolution so it, it was a hilarious way to resolve things in the subsequent episode <laughs> the neelix yeah. cheese <laughs> yeah but the, the, there as you suggested adam I, I i was confused by that um too like why would they not promote rutherford but there's an answer right that is revealed later right yeah, yeah. they just... tried to a bunch of times yeah <laughs> oops i spoiled the next episode sorry yeah oops. <laughs> so so but but one couple of scenes we need to talk about before we move to the next episode first of all mariner and ransom apparently ransom's like every other commanding officer has allowed you to get away with getting demoted making making and i will mm-hmm. ensure that you stay promoted so that becomes his mission. And again, I think here we're we, we're suffering with the Ransom character because of how creepy they made Ransom in the first season. And so it's just yeah. hard. It's kind of the Joe right. Joe problem or like, you know, it's hard to forget. Yep. Um, yeah. It, especially, like, yeah, like, like some things that uh, if we didn't have the super creepy side, then we could just like laugh at him, like working out in his uh, in his office all the time or whatever. And he could just mm-hmm. be like a a dude bro but it, it's yeah th- th- there's like a weird creepy energy that happens whenever he's he's doing that to people too a weird, uh, so creepy, I, I, I will like energy. have these moments when i'm watching these episodes where i'm like uh having the unintended co- cognitive dissonance or whatever <laughs> hey do you do you guys remember ensign gary <laughs> <laughs> like that that's like he's a pretty unremarkable character, except they just named him Ensign Gary, and that like I found that really funny. <laughs> <laughs> so just just one more thing before we get to Gary in a second, which is the the Klingon ship at the end. Oh yeah. So first of all, the ship that attacks the Klingon ship oh, is yeah. <clears throat> is a unused standing warbird Romulan warbird design from like back in the day. Oh. Uh-huh. Like like oh, never cool. shown on screen before? I don't know if it's never been shown on screen, but yeah, it is um it is it is definitely a, if a, a ship that is has been in the Star Trek lore because it was like a design that had been created. Okay. In the past. Then this mm-hmm. is cool. the ship that got destroyed or the ship that no. did did the destroying. This did the destroying. Okay. And so it's like a little pill thing and then it Yeah. That one. And that's good for podcasting when I do a hand motion to show you what I'm talking about. Yeah. It it looked like the the ocarina from uh, the (laughs) Ocarina of Time. So the first of all, the Klingon ship is the same Klingon ship from Veg Dooge. Yes. Yeah. With the character uh, Ma'a. And that's in the next episode. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. This is the Klingon character at the end of... Oh, the the Kl- you're right. The Klingon ship is in the first episode. The, the, the Romulan, Romulan ship, ship is, is in the second. second. Yep. Yep. I was getting them switched. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll point you all to the fact also that we didn't see any dead bodies in this destruction or the destruction of the Romulan ship in the second episode. Right. So. They but kind they- of phased... It looked like they kind of phased the way they did the... Like I, I mean, the, I, the I felt like the second episode showed... But it looked more explicitly like we were vaporizing bodies because it, it it showed I, I think it showed like the the bodies like blackening and kind of separating out 
but but yes it, it could have been that they phased uh into some other reality it it, it would be a, i think it'd be a shame to to um we only get one of the wedge dude characters and the others are just like dead right yeah so We'll see. Anyway, I just want to point that out. Um, let's talk about the next one. So this is I Have No Bones, Yet I Must Flee. It's the second episode of the fourth season of Star Trek Lower Decks. It first aired on 7 September 2023, just like two weeks. It was written by Aaron Burdett. It was directed by Megan Lloyd. And the in-universe start date is not provided here on Memory Alpha. So it probably... I have no idea if it actually exists. All right. Uh, Mariner tries to get demoted. Rutherford tries to get promoted. Boimler makes a big move. The Lower Decks synopsis writers are always on point. And even in this one. One line. Real quick. <clears throat> so, first of all, apparently Romulan, just their casual conversation, is all about treachery. Uh, so good. Yeah, I, 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 I thought it was... Um, yeah, I, I thought it was great because uh, it, it's... the Lower Decks is able to point out that almost all writing of Romulans has been absolute trash in Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> that there's, there's literally nothing to them except like that they're sneaky and backstabby, uh, <laughs> which is definitely like frustrating about reading um, like the, the Picard novel that the, the very first one is uh, one that I, that I'd read. Cause it's it just like, I don't know. All of the lore about Romulus is just so dumb. Like n nobody has front doors because they need to be sneaky and they need to like have a secret entrance to their house. And rich people have like these mazes that you have to go through in order to find where their door is to go into their house. And inside the house, there's all of these like trap doors and secret entrances to like go between rooms uh, and stuff like that. And just like, oh my God. <laughs> you don't like what why did we not give them any other lore like i th like thank you michael shavon for like having a different thing that that romulans do uh, <laughs> because there's nothing about that culture that is anything but just the one note shoulder pads and sneakiness i love the the insults it's like your schemes are barely even plans. You, know? <laughs> yeah, you, you wouldn't know a conspiracy from a scheme. If it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's really good. And and of course, right after that, we get the credits. But then immediately after the credits, we get the aerobic scene. You guys, which we oh my gosh, it's so good. Yeah, look at Ransom is Troy and Shax is. Ah, uh, Crusher. <laughs> yeah, it was, that, was, that was absolutely incredible. Just like in the TNG version, they're gossiping, and, and, and they I, end and it I, with going going to get hot fudge sundays. I'm sure. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. I, I love that they make it. Yeah, like that's just a 24th century culture thing. It, we've we've taken it back from being a uh, women, am I right, or whatever, which is what every episode of TNG was whenever it it brought right. the two of them together. <laughs> I, I just love that when Shax is telling Ransom that he's having trouble, like, with Donna, Ransom's like, have you tried, like, scratching the sheet and going... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it, they always wait just long enough between references that Donna's a cat uh, that it just, it lands perfectly every single time. <laughs> yeah, that's great. It's great. Um, well... Uh, this leads, of course, Mariner to hear that R Ransom saying she's not going to be my problem anymore, and obviously she misunderstands it and goes on an away mission with Ransom and Gary to a menagerie. <laughs> a <laughs> to, menage. to a menage. <laughs> menage. <laughs> Classic menage. <laughs> uh. Which, 
did you guys think of the first episode of the Orville? With I haven't seen oh, it. Oh yeah. <clears throat> so they have a menagerie in the in the first episode of the Orville. Basically, mm. so it's kind of not quite the same, but similar. Been a while since I watched the Orville. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so, Bill, you thought Gary was just the most boring ensign in the world? Well, I mean. I... Why is the name Gary so funny? I don't. <laughs> I don't know why. It's, I feel. I mean, there are actually people named Gary, and I, I'm not trying to make fun of you, but we I, lost us the only listener I was we say, have. Yeah, they're His not listening to us anymore. Um, although I, I do know this uh, factoid. So, the first name Gary is obviously not as popular as it used to be, um, and it used to not even be a first name. Um, the town of Gary, Indiana predates it. And then the actor, um, Gary, oh man, the really famous Busey. No, no, no. In like the forties, um, uh, Gary Cooper. I don't know. Anyway, there was a famous actor. I think you're right with Gary Cooper. (laughs) Yeah. Who's, who was named after the town of Gary, Gary Indiana. Yeah. And then lots of like, Parents in the That's baby room named their boys Gary as a but yeah it's all it's all goes back to Gary Indiana. Oh, funny. <clears throat> Gary Indiana, Gary Indiana. Is it Michael Jackson yep. from Gary Indiana? Possibly. I, I thought I thought the Jackson family is from there, but maybe I'm wrong. So back to Lower Decks. Um, so in this menage situation, there are humans in this menagerie. Yep, you're right, Gary, Indiana, and uh, and a moopsie. Yes. <laughs> Dietrich goes. I hope they don't hurt the moopsie. It's so cute. <laughs> I said, "Well, it drinks your bones." <laughs> He's like, "Oh, this is a weird episode." And then he left. <laughs> That's hilarious. Hopefully we avoid some nightmares. I know. He didn't, I don't think he saw it drink the bones. I just told him because he was in and out for that episode. Yeah. So, I mean, this one, uh, like, it's it's basically, I mean, the, the backdrop, to, the action is just basically a backdrop to Ransom and Mariner getting to have it out. And Mariner finding out that, like, Ransom doesn't want to, like, he meant that she's not going to be his problem because she's going to, like, get better at this right and he's not gonna let her he's not gonna let her force him to demote her into demoting her which is actually i mean like kind of cool that someone's like actually investing in mariner right mm-hmm. like and trying yeah. to get her to grow yeah yeah and and i i think it like well we had like some satisfying uh character moments between uh captain freeman and uh and mariner i think that um it 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 works having this be the relationship that that does the um or that like ransom having the one investing in in her uh, especially if we forget about the first season version of Shaq. yeah i mean yeah, of, i think that's the, that's the only problem uh <laughs> yeah. and and what's also disappointing is is like the uh first season also had some great stuff of of like how um uh, when they were in that like gladiator combat thing and uh, she was getting hot and bothered about him yeah. like philosophizing or whatever like that yeah. would have just it, it without the creepiness that would have just been funny and they yeah. could have even had some of that like tension throughout the series but yeah. now we have to it's like anytime the tension comes up it feels creepy in a way <laughs> that it would have just been like they could have just played it for laughs every single time yeah yeah 
but I think I think it's gonna be interesting to see how how Mariner like if she, if this sticks like if Mariner can actually grow and how she can evolve to be the person who actually like is able to take on her <clears throat> promotions because she doesn't need to be a mentor anymore at Boimler as we established in the last episode so now they're equals like it's time for her to start growing as well and, and building her own mm. uh, credibility and like ability to be a leader well and, and it's interesting because each of the uh every single one of the lower deckers that we've been following has had this moment of like uh should i like advance in my or like if i advance in my career am i going to leave my friends behind uh uh and so i i think it's interesting that uh, like every single one of them has now gotten to deal with it and so now we, we are at this point where it's okay for everyone to be like lieutenant junior grade and for us to explore like what if we like kind of care about our jobs or like are are like more and more competent um and it's yeah so because it just i mean maybe the assumption is like when the show start like the pitch of the show is lower decks that they're just gonna always be lower decks but like maybe not uh like maybe we could have a a seven season arc or whatever that uh sees them like actually getting further along in their career or whatnot and i think that's interesting yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think this is the this is the pathway to that. Um, yeah, go ahead, Bill. I so just one point on Mariner's like self destruction in this episode and actually in the whole series. So it's a really common writing technique to have characters be self destructive because mm-hmm. I think it adds complexity and it's like some internal conflict that they have to overcome. But I usually don't find it very believable. It's something I don't, you know, aside from like addiction, I don't really observe it in real life. Like I don't see people turning down promotions ever, <laughs> um, you know, so I, I, I think people know. do it more in interpersonal <clears throat> relationships maybe than they do yeah. in like work kind of things. Cause there are definitely people that sabotage relation, potential relationships or, you know, mm. just cause they have, you know, and I, I've also seen people where they they sort of have the the desire to like reset everything when when things get like too serious or or whatnot. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. In one way or another. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, it's it's a it's a trope that's that I usually don't find very believable. But yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, I I thought they did for for it being a trope. I thought they did a pretty good job in this episode in at least explaining it. <clears throat> Did you all notice that this is a different topic, but did you notice the Tucker tubes? <laughs> oh, yeah. I was, I was about yeah. to. Uh, so uh, w- one thing I was about to say is, Bill, I'm going to have to put the bill directive against you. Don't think too hard about this, about Mariner. <laughs> just accept no. it. So I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just doing your shit. No, you're right. Uh, no. So let's let's talk about what Rutherford, Tandy, and Boimler are up to, uh, which is, first of all, all the Lord Lieutenant Junior grades that they've left the dormitory. Oh, no. And Denty. Yeah. Which is the really cool thing is you get to watch, look at all the things that are in their moving boxes, which is hilarious. And you get, first of all, Boimler is just trying different rooms, and we can talk about that in a minute. But <laughs> Rutherford now is going to get left behind in the dorm. So Tendi's like, no, I'm so sad about this. And Rutherford's like, I'm just going to get promoted in a day. <laughs> and he goes to like make all of these like increasingly tiny adjustments, like a <laughs> nanosecond change in some like processing time. One, like, you know, and, and every time he does something, Livic has got there first. <laughs> it's in Livic. 
And one of the things he does is on the most important object in human history. The Tucker yeah, tubes. Oh, the Tucker tubes. Yeah, yes. the Tucker tubes. Which I, I think this is where they get their, their name too. Uh, yeah, I don't think they've they, ever had a name. They're, they've like, been in they're, probably they appear like, everywhere. Yeah, but... <laughs> like 70 episodes of Star Trek or something. Like <laughs> so they, they first appeared in The Wrath of Khan. Bill, do you know what we're talking about? Yeah, so the the tubes where he added a third one. Yeah. 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 All right. So where would would those be like behind a panel in a bulkhead, or where where would no, we see those? We we've seen like they they were uh, where I remember them most prominently is in the episode. Um, uh, wait, what what was the name of the episode? The episode where we. Uh, oh. Uh, I mean, yeah. Here's here's one that that we're looking at. Um, so this is this is there's actually a YouTube compilation of the most <laughs> important device in the universe and all the different movies and TV shows that this prop has been in. <laughs> oh, it's literally the same prop. Oh yeah, yeah, no, this yeah it is, is. And I, while looking it up recently, I actually found the like prop design company that rents it out. Like, there's a company that owns this prop. Yeah, this is the episode I was talking about. This is the one where they, um, what is it? What is its name? Path? Blinking tubes without function. Oh, that's the one where Reg finds uh, Pathfinder. Yeah, Pathfinder. Yeah, I was like Pathways. Path- yeah, Pathfinder. In Voyager episode Pathfinder. Mm. <laughs> and yeah, they've had they've had it in the background in a ton of different Lower Decks episodes. Apparently, so, uh, as well. did they have to pay that company in order to draw it into Lower Decks? That's a great question. Well, now that they have a three tube version, of course not. It's completely yeah, different. Yeah, they don't have to anymore. <laughs> So anyway, you can you can you can Google the most important device in the universe and watch the YouTube videos that come out. <laughs> so yeah, That's so there's funny. now a three tube version. There you go. I just want to know if they're gonna make a physical three tube version now. <laughs> so did anyone else think it was weird when um, Shax called um, Boimler baby bear when he moved him from his quarters? that were by the nacelle and too bright. And then he moves him to the quarters in between the two holodecks, but he calls <laughs> Boimler baby bear. And I thought he only called Rutherford baby bear. I don't know. Maybe I remember it wrong, but it just seemed like, I'm like, Oh, he calls him that too. Was that like his name for any ensign? Oh, wait, is that, former is that ensign? True? Yeah. Cause it's like, it's the bear, the bear, uh, they call all the engineers, the, or the security officers, the, the bear group or whatever. Something. And that's why he started calling Rutherford Baby Bear with Rutherford yeah. on like a oh, yeah. rotation with security. Anyway, so I thought that was weird that he called Boimler Baby Bear. Yeah, and I, I, I didn't I didn't catch that. Yeah, that is that is bizarre. I I was immediately when they got promoted and Boimler was like, oh, we got our own rooms. I was like, how do they give Lieutenant Junior Grades own rooms? This seems excessive. And then I was like, oh, because they're giving them the crappiest <laughs> room. <laughs> the, the, yeah, the. the, the yeah, that, that was like the greatest reveal for me of <laughs> that he goes and looks at the, out the window and it's the Broussard Collector. Yeah, no, it's amazing. <clears throat> Do you guys know the Seinfeld episode where they install the like neon sign outside Jerry's apartment yeah. and he and I think Kramer gets like a terrible sunburn because really? it's so bright. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. I didn't. I did not know that this was a Seinfeld reference. That's even better. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I'm just looking at screenshots of the Seinfeld episode. It looks exactly the same. That's funny. <laughs> I like that it's so easily solved at the end with um, Rutherford. Like he just does this little thing, and it totally fixes the problem. Oh yeah, oh, this is. This, it's yeah. It's that exact same red light. <laughs> yeah, that's no, great. Oh. 
Oh, fantastic. Yeah, and then of course he gets the, the room in between the holodecks, which I mean, like... <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, I love that, like, uh, the, the the one with, with Jackson to Anna was, like, obvious, but then right. going to the other side and, and hearing that Freeman is president of Starfleet. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, they just they just nail the tone. You know, they're able to make yep. fun of Star Trek, but do it in such a loving way. Yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's all this stuff in Star Trek that if you like think about it, it's like absurd or it doesn't make any sense. And, yeah. it, but, and they're able to kind of poke at that, um, mm-hmm. but do it in a way that's respectful. We totally forgot to touch on the fact that um, the job that Boimler had to do at the beginning of the first episode was uh, holodeck waste extraction. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and, and that actually gets into the what I was talking about with the, like, retreading things, because I think that was the first episode of Lower Decks, in, in fact, think so, was yeah. the, the waste extraction, uh, that was, that was Yeah, th- th- that was Mariner, though, when she was like, I'm going to, like, Ransom is like, I'm going to break her by giving her the worst stuff to do in the ship. Yeah. And, he gave, and, that's and one Boimler of the worst was excited things. or something, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or maybe it was Tendi, but yeah. Uh yeah, the the, the <laughs> uh yeah, there there are so many memes about uh the disgusting things that actually happen in, <laughs> in all the decks. So I <laughs> I like that they, they make that canon more or less. Well, I'm thinking about absurd. Rutherford has turned down so many promotions in the past, so this time, even though he doesn't get it up on Livick, all he has to do is like all or all Tendi has to do is ask Billups, like, hey, can Rutherford just get the promotion that he's deserved this whole time? And he's like, yeah, sure, here, take it. <laughs> it's the only like, one. So, yeah, Livick L- L- doesn't get promoted because of that. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's pretty great. It's we pretty just great. It, it, like, yeah, we now they have extra pips and it's not delicious street corn. <laughs> that was great. That was great. So. That's it for these two episodes. Any other thing, episode-specific things that you all wanted to discuss? Um, Humans, we really are the worst. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. I, I did yeah. love that that twist of like they had just um, left them on the menagerie, <laughs> and and that that she didn't Mariner didn't release the the movie. Yeah, uh uh-uh. That was genuinely surprising to me. I I, mm-hmm. I figured that there was there was like something going on because the 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 side panel did like look weird and they never like asked to be let out but yeah i was not i was not anticipating that uh that was specifically what was going on so that was a good twist so they they just uh, wanted the money from the station (laughs) do uh, do we want to say anything about the um kind of season-wide arc that was suggested by the klingon and romulan oh i mean we talked about that but we didn't really talk about the yeah the significance i mean so that's a thread that th- those scenes were just kind of dropped in mm. right out of, yeah. out of nowhere, non sequiturs in these two episodes. So do we any, I don't know, ideas about who that might be? Well, you said it was a Romulan design, but why would they have destroyed a Romulan ship unless it's like trying to, I was wondering if they were targeting like former enemies of the Federation in a way to start some, I don't know. Yeah, it seems like it's to trying to cause cause some sort of yeah. uh, war between them. Or I mean, m- maybe this is the the temporal cold war that we never got. We're actually going to do it in lower decks for some reason. So this is so. So just to give you some context as well, this is the the, the design I was talking about is uh, was designed by Andrew Probert. 
He's the guy who did the designs for the USS Enterprise and the motion picture, the Enterprise D, and tons of other ships. And he was the one who initially designed the Romulan Warbird. And his first design had it being vertical. Um, so th this is, I think, actually, like, um, I, I think I got my references mistaken where it's actually the Romulan Warbird that's the vertical Warbird. Yeah. It's not the new ship. The new ship is super familiar. I've seen it somewhere oh, else. Okay. Like I can't remember where I've seen it, but like that, there, there's a ship that flies like it like flies forward, and I can't remember. It's in some other sci-fi. Uh, it looks like Boba Fett's ship. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's that's yeah. the one. It is Boba Fett's ship. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I have no idea what this story is going to be with that ship but it's going to be something funny you know it's not just going to be like yeah you know there's a sector romulans that want to just you know it's going to have some you know silly twist to it <clears throat> which i think i mean it sounds like again i feel like they're beaming up these crews they're not just killing them so i wonder if it's some sort of like we want to like you know our assumption would be they're trying to create war so what if their actual thing is like they're putting these people together so they get along and it creates peace Mm. <laughs> no no maybe okay maybe the only other thing i'll add is that um i was a little bummed out that we got two episodes at once you know we've got very little star trek between the now and like late 2025 at the earliest yeah Yay. because of the strike, strike. wait won't, won't discovery be early be like q1 well yeah but, but it's literally just that is, like there's is nothing else. So, so been... we, we will like 2024. We'll probably only have one Star Trek series in it. Prodigy season two. Oh pre yeah. Oh yeah. no. Well, if they sell it to somebody. Yeah, because it's I, I done. Think it, it'll get released one way I or another. I think it will. But can they? Uh, is that were they able to finish like the post production on season two? I think that's what they the said they strikes? would do. They, they would still finish I it. Um, I believe animation no, was but... exempted. Yeah, animation's not okay. a part of it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, so yeah, but that, that's going to be true for all TV, you know. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> yeah. So, I I kind of wish we'd got the full ten weeks instead of eight yeah. plus two, uh, nine plus or uh, right. seven plus two or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, well, let's go into strange new ratings. Which of you like to stick your necks out and give these two episodes a rating? Anybody? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? I'll do a nine for the first one, eight for the second, just because I, my grievance about Mariner's self-destructive stuff. <clears throat> I actually would give the same. I would do 4.5 for the first episode because I just loved all the Voyager callbacks. It was great. Even the music and everything. And then um, a four for the uh, four out of five for the Bones one. So Adam, that's not about bones. Not about uh, I, I honestly, I, I really enjoyed the the menagerium and just like all the all the callbacks that were happening in, in that episode. And I think also it was, it it, it felt to me like, uh, it wasn't just a 
like both of these episodes could have been absolute grab bags of like references to 27 other different episodes and while the menagerium definitely the concept was something that was calling back to a lot of stuff i don't know that every single like creature was like literally a creature that was that was shown in like a different episode of star trek or whatever like right. it didn't have a mugatu and like uh, a tarkalian hawk and uh, like whatever right. like so i i, I, I don't know I, I i think i i enjoyed um both of them uh, pretty equally, so I, th- I think I'll give both of them a nine. Not as good as Mugato Gumato, huh? No, not a, not as good. Does not reach that height. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with an eight for both. Solid episodes, very good. You know, I I don't know, like I should really like I thought Voyager would be a ten out of ten for me, but it just I don't know. It, it's good. It's good. It's very good. I'm just gonna leave it at it, that. It just got me re sad about uh, uh, Prodigy. Prodigy. Yeah. What I will say is that it's kind of neat that we get, got to see Voyager again. We're never going to see it in live action again, right? The right. sets are gone, so yeah. they can't recreate them. So it's kind of neat. It looks that, so good. Yeah, it really did. A lot of nostalgia there. So, well, with that, uh, for first time in a while, I'm getting to thank three of you. Adam, <laughs> Emily, Bill, thank you for joining me. Thanks, Thanks much. much. Of course. And Rudy, whatever it is you're doing, wherever you are, I hope you're having a great time. Thank you, dear listeners, for making time for us within your week. Sorry we took a month off, but sometimes we do that. It's fun. And thank you, Justin Goff, for recording our theme music. And special thanks this week for Moopsie. Cute little thing that goes, Moopsie. It's, 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 it's <laughs> a wonderful addition to the Star Trek universe. Now I want us to go to the Moopsie planet and have our bones gut drop. So. Okay. It, it'll, it'll feature majorly in, in uh, uh, season five of... Uh, uh, of discovery discovery there we go that's, there you go that's, 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 <laughs> it's going to be incorporated into the final episode it's the season uh, ending menace for star trek discovery season five all right everybody have a great week we'll see you next week bye-bye. bye bye bye